0: You're listening to a sermon from crccoolerman.org. Who likes music in the room? Are there any people who just don't like music, have no interest? It's fine, it's fine if everyone likes a little bit of music. Okay, I I like a few different sort sorts of mu- music, different types of music. That's kind of okay with me, but uh, I've got to say there are some sorts of music i Don't really like that much. And your version of the sorts of music you like might be completely different to mine. Is that right? And when we hear some music or we look at an instrument, we imagine what kind of person might enjoy that music or who might play it, how they might dress maybe even what sort of car they might drive. I'm going to show you a couple of pictures just to see if some of these things can make connections in your own minds. This person's waving a fancy little stick and uh, they're dressed kind of properly and the people who would be watching that person, how would they be dressed, do you think, if we're going to draw a a sort of uh, conclusion. Where might they see someone like that waving her stick? Perhaps in a fancy performance hall. They might be playing something like this cello lying on... You know, the people in front of her might be playing cellos and violins and very shiny instruments. They might be expensive Mercedes-Benzers parked out the front. Completely. There's a bit of a musical thread is going to run through this uh, whole message today. Throw some other things at you. Here's a bit of a different one, isn't it? Two, four, six, eight, ten. Is that eleven strings, Ed? Ed plays a stringed instrument. He's fairly handy. Where would one of those instruments come from, Ed? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe not. Hadida, where where would something like this be played? A in in Iraq. Okay, so. We have no person visible, but someone can say, ''Oh, this belongs to that country.'' Now, if I show you this instrument, what country might we associate with that instrument? India. India. What's the instrument? A sitar. sitar. It's got a very distinctive um, sound to it. If we are listening to the radio, if we're watching a movie and music... From a sitar sitar comes along, we know it's telling us, oh, think of India, think of India. And last of all, we've got a ute loaded with hay. Now, this is is, uh, a generalisation, okay? What sort of person driving such a ute, what sort of music might they listen to? country music perhaps bush music there's a whole, whole range of things actually they, they might listen to radio national radio and listen to classics and classical fm there's, there's nothing uh, assured but but we might say oh slim dusty might be okay or, or garth brooks or you know dwight yoakam or one of these guys aaron would tell us Why am I talking about that anyway? We kind of line up our view of the world, whether it's music, whether it's how we dress, whether it's who we hang out with, along the lines of what we think is either familiar and comfortable or what might be the best. Now there's been no coordination, no communication, I should say, about uh, one of the announcements and the fact that one of the you know uh, groups is looking at Colossians, but we're going to look at Colossians today. So that's a nice, nice, tidy connection. And one key verse before I read a string of verses is from Colossians three and verse eleven. It says, here it's talking about believers. It's talking about the church. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian or Scythian, depending on your pronunciation and which school you went to, just to show there's different types of people, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So it's a little bit about the fact that in this world we constantly look around and we see all sorts of differences. This group of people is not like that group of people. We're not like them. We like this, they don't like that. That's a little bit what the world looks like. Is that right? Fair to say? We have different languages. We have different governments and ways of government. Governing people. All these differences. But in Colossians, a guy called Paul is writing a letter to a group of people. And it's a bit like that verse I read, where he's writing to a group of people and all these different backgrounds and different people are in the one place together. And so there may have been slaves and free that are part of this church. There may have been people with a Jewish background, people who weren't Jews. And he's writing to encourage them. And it's a great letter that Paul writes because it's fairly simple and easy to understand for someone like me and that's that's useful. But the point he wants to make is that Jesus is the key thing that brings people together and knocks down walls and gets rid of differences that we as people are good at putting between each other. What we put up as walls, Jesus comes along and and just flattens and says, Hey, you're all the same in my sight. And because you're all the same in my sight, because I'm in you all, here's how... You can relate together as one. So I'm going to read Colossians 3, verses 9 to 15. I've got it on a piece of paper, mate. It's the first piece of paper. It'll come up here in a moment. Colossians 3, 9 to 15. Maybe I'll bring it up. There we go. It says, Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Who's our creator? God. God's our creator. It's saying we've taken off something old. There was an old person, if you like. We've put away that old person. The Lord's put that person away. And here we are. We're put on a new person. And here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance or something against another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Are they all good things? Are they all great characteristics for for getting along with people? They are. Is it easy to do them if if you're cranky and you just don't like someone though? That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? And so the next verse is pretty cool. It says, Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. All of those things, all of those great things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, come together in love and when we love. And it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body just the one you were called to peace and be thankful I watch everyone come in here and I see people shake hands, give each other a hug and a kiss and go over and meet someone they don't know and and that's a good thing to kind of see isn't it you know isn't that what we want to see even in our families that getting along that you know loving each other valuing each other it's pretty cool. How much more of Christ is in all and, and all about us in that happening? CRC Kuhlman, 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 CRC Kuhlman has that little tagline on the banner underneath the big words, and it says, Be what? Yeah. Be connected. Be connected. And so if, it, if that's out there, then relationship. Has to be pretty important. Our getting along has to be pretty important, not just inside the walls, but outside. See, we could sit beside each other and we could walk out and we could whinge about someone that we've sat with here to someone else. We could, you know, we could not talk to someone on the street and walk past them because really they're not my cup of tea. But that's not what connection is about, is it? In Jesus, in Christ, no one is different. There are people who go into schools and are out of our school care in the room here, I know. And and so I like to, you know, going into preschools, I like to talk about the kids there as well. And I might have mentioned half of this little story before. So last year, I think it was last year, unless it was first term this year, this little person was pretty direct with me and said, Dom, I don't like kids with brown skin. And you probe a little more because you've met his parents, you think, oh, I don't think they'd really like hearing those words come out of his mouth. I, I don't think that's the sort of people they are. But kids, they're very honest and direct in what they understand and don't understand and, and why that is. He just says, Dom, I don't like kids with brown skin. We had some sort of conversation about it. And uh, you think, oh, okay, well, that's interesting because we, within this wider group of kids in your preschool, you know, perhaps this is the only place that you meet kids who have skin darker than yours. So that's cool. That's last year or maybe first term this year. But we know where he stands, don't we? Cut and dried, I don't like kids with brown skin. Well, I'm not a kid. But this year, same boy comes up to me and says, Don, what country are you from? <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, is that to do with my skin or, you know, what's going on in his little mind? And we had another little conversation about it. But that's a kid just putting people in their little boxes and their little areas and deciding what he's comfortable with, what he's not comfortable with. And if that's a kid at a very basic level, I wonder how it is with us as grown-ups. If we were to wind Australia back to 1819, there'd be a very different bunch of groups in Australia, wouldn't there? Or maybe during the gold rush years. If we went back further than 1819, if we went back to 1750, well, you know, here'd be one group of people. In the middle of a gold rush, here's a whole bunch of different groups. You've got miners from all sorts of overseas countries In the convict days, you've got people who wear chains and people who wear uniforms. All different. To go to that key verse about what there isn't in Christ. Barbarian. What's a barbarian? Don't look at me knowingly. I've probably been called a barbarian before. But what's a barbarian? Historically, to go back to a barbarian, around Paul's time and just before, maybe just after, it kind of related to someone who maybe simply spoke a different language. Now, in our time, we probably think about a barbarian as being this scary, kind of uncouth, unwashed, dressed in animal furs villain who's going to come and attack your city or something like that. But back in those times, it's a different language. And in fact, there was a bit of looking down on because their language, the language of who they characterised as or said were barbarians, was kind of like gibberish. And some of the Greeks sort of said, well, they're just not as developed and smart as us. Scythians or Scythians now that kind of connected with people who would come and raid um, different groups or villages along what we might call the Silk Road. So it ranged over a fairly vast distance. So they'd come and raid and steal and do these sort of things. So if you're in the church at Colossae and you identify someone who's coming in who's a Scythian, and you might sort of say, well, I've got good reason to be worried. I don't want to show him what I own at home because he might come and steal stuff from my house or something like that. They mention in that letter, S- um, slaves and free. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, we, we sort of thought that slavery was done with, but there's more slavery now around now than there ever was, seemingly. For a person who employs slaves and has a certain view perhaps of, of those people who work for them sitting with a person who is a slave and works for others and perhaps isn't treated that well can you, can you imagine this coming under the same roof and so what does Jesus bring into the equation Part of what Paul's writing in this letter is he's saying, hey, there's salvation, there's a whole new creation story that's happened and happening in the world. And it's not just about this nation being important over here or that culture over there. It's not just for the girls, it's not just for the boss or for the workers or the people who speak that language. Jesus doesn't show any favoritism. That's just not how he sees us. It's us who draw the lines and build the walls, remember? So right through Jesus' ministry, when he's here walking around among people, he's healing people from different backgrounds like race, doesn't matter if you're female or male, he's going to heal you. You're going to get a touch. Social position and castes, accepted people and rejected people. He shares with all of them. He says, here's what it's all about. I'm going to bring you all together. I'm going to bring you all together into one, as it was always intended to be. But we're going to do it new. So here's Jesus' prayer. He's just prayed for his friends or followers, the disciples, and he shifts from his followers to this broader world beyond that. So this is John 17, 20 to 23. It says, My prayer is not for them, meaning the disciples or followers alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he knows his followers are going to go out and share the gospel, share the good news of what Jesus was about with the rest of the world. And he prays, we're part of that, he prays for those who are going to hear the message, that all of them will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, meaning Jesus in us, and you in me, God in Jesus. How's this amazing thing? We know God as being three persons in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now he says... Without us becoming God, yet God is in us and we're in him. Are we God? No. But yet he's in us and we're in him. As the Father and the Son are in each other. So I in them and you in me. So? Why? So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. I think we're kidding ourselves a bit if we think other people are the ones who have to change to be like us. Now, Cindy would desperately love me to love cooking. To have an interest in it. I'm a good washer-upper. I'm a good washer-upper, so... but. She would be having a miserable life if our marriage was built around her success in converting me into loving cooking. It would be pointless. But there's conflict and there's tension that just we're used to seeing come up in the world all the time. So think back to the Jews... The Jews, Jesus has come to them, they've rejected him, they crucify him, he's raised to life. And then we have Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, the church is born. Who do you think the church is mostly made up of? Jews. It's mostly made up of Jews. They're at its inception, the first people in the church, are mainly Jews. And then we bump into tension. Then we bump into a bit of stretching and conflict and mm, because Jews are feeling uncomfortable about the idea of people who aren't Jewish and don't have Jewish customs and Jewish ways of doing things they're basically not feeling good about them coming into the church. They're not sure about this. Now, Jesus has already given the message that this is what is going to happen. But they don't do things our way, is what the Jews are saying to themselves. So how did they deal with it? Well, there's Jerusalem, you know, the home of, of the church, where it begins, Where it starts. A whole bunch of Jewish people. Then we know the story of Paul. Paul's this very Jewish guy who hates the followers of Jesus. Hounds them, rounds them up, jails them, does all these sort of things. He meets Jesus. He becomes a follower of Jesus. And he works out pretty quickly that Jesus is calling him to take the good news to all the people who aren't Jews. Now he knows a lot about Jewishness, but he also knows a lot about who Jesus is and the love of Jesus because Jesus has shown him great mercy and forgiveness according to the rotten things that he did to Jesus' friends. So Paul starts talking to all these non-Jewish people who are called Gentiles. He goes back to Jerusalem and the church in Jerusalem are hearing about this stuff he's doing with Gentile people. And he went back to the leaders. There were guys like James, the brother of Jesus, Peter. He meets with them and says, here's what I'm doing. And you give the leaders of the church credit because James, Peter and John, these key guys in the church, they shake hands with Paul and say, hey, this is good. You're doing the right thing. Keep talking to the people who aren't Jews. Keep telling them about Jesus. This is how it's meant to be. So there's Peter. He says, yep, Paul, you're doing a good job. Peter, he's a Jew as well. And they say, right, us Jewish people in the church, we'll keep here in Jerusalem, we'll talk and we'll tell the Jews about Jesus so they can come to know him too. Paul, you go out and do your stuff. The friendliness doesn't continue exactly the same. Some of the Jewish people in the church, I said they were uncomfortable with having non-Jewish people come in. Well, that continued. And in fact... It didn't just continue amongst themselves. It even affected some of the leaders. So we'll just pull up Galatians chapter 2 here, verses 11 to 21. There we go, we've got Peter. When Peter came to Antioch, this is Peter who said, Paul, it's good for you to be doing your stuff with the Jews. Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The circumcision group, well, Jewish people said you've got to be circumcised to be part of the people of God. Gentiles. They're not doing circumcision. But are they the people of God? Absolutely. But here's this this difference. The Jews with all the history, all the culture, all the rules, that they were just so familiar with said, they're not like us. They don't circumcise. Tell them they should be circumcised if they're going to be part of us. The other Jews joined... Peter in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified By the works of the law or following the rules, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It's about believing in Jesus. It's not about how good you can do stuff, whether you're circumcised or not. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, not by the rules. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. You can't keep enough rules to get right with God. Paul's making it pretty clear. There aren't any divisions, no walls in Christ Jesus. In him, how how many make up this people? One. There's one people. So Paul gets around. He's taking this good news to the rest of the world. And they start to sit up and pay attention. And why do they do that? Because the followers of Jesus, well, the believers love for each other and their service and care and love for people of all backgrounds got noticed. It was unavoidable because it was totally different to the way that the world lived. And they're asking themselves, who are these people who refuse to fight And go into wars and give up what they have to help others who don't have what they need. They care for the sick and strangers and even foreigners. They noticed to the extent that even the Roman Empire started to copy some of the stuff that was happening in the church. That's the origin of hospitals and accommodation places for people without homes. What's the effect for us when we actually start caring about everyone and we pull down the walls? If we start clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness, if we start acting with humility and gentleness and patience, what spills out into our homes? What spills out into our streets and neighbourhoods and into our towns? What happens in a country when something like that comes off? The world now, even with some of the rotten stuff going on in it, the world now reflects change that started with Jesus. There are good things happening now that never happened before Jesus. And change has got to be the result when we actually bear with each other, when we forgive each other. Do wars start out of forgiveness? Of course they don't. We forgive as Jesus forgave us. What does Colossians tell us? This letter says, when we put on love, it brings all those good little things together, all those virtues, which aren't little. They might be short words, but they're pretty profound in their effect. Gentleness, kindness, humility. But we can't be at war with ourselves if that's us as a body. If we're united in Jesus Christ, well, we can't be divided amongst ourselves. We have to be getting along. And, and that's something to be thankful about and to rejoice about because I don't think that this group of people here is a group of people that's out to get each other. And to undermine each other and stab each other in the back. Saw something a bit different, and uh, Isaac, one of our sons, would say, "Yes, he's he's altogether happy to to miss something different. He's not into all sorts of music." And we went to the Civic Centre in Wagga, Civic Theatre, sorry, not the Civic Centre. And there was a concert, and the concert was being performed whole bunch of different schools you know there were the Catholic schools Mater Dei, the the state schools Mount Austin, Karingal the Anglican High School the Christian College all of the local high schools got together and played music and did anyone play sport for a school here when they were a kid? Yeah Cindy Wishes um but when I was a kid, there was something about other schools. It could be as if they were the enemy, if we were in sport. Or, or this school is trying to outdo the other school in academic achievement. But here are all these schools playing together in a performance. And it was a great idea because they were playing together to raise money for what they call a care van. And that van's delivering food to a couple of thousand people once a fortnight where there's, there's no reliable supply of food. Something's happened in their living circumstances and they, they can't access food because they don't have any money or they, their lives are just not together enough to be organised. Does that sound like a good cause? All these schools doing that together? And there's a conductor. We saw the picture with the stick. The conductor's waving their baton for kids all together in one group from different schools doing a song. I think we as the church have got even more than a song to produce. And the best thing is the body that we're part of, it wasn't put together even through auditions. I don't know if many of us would have made it into some of the performing groups last night. You know, we're not just there, there are some amazing kids. And I guess they have a way of filtering the best kids out, the most talented kids, and they put them in there and they blow us away. But we don't have to audition to be part of this body. You know, this body has been born through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he gave himself completely for all of us, The whole world. And I guess it makes us sad that not everyone takes up that offer of forgiveness. But do we stop getting out there? Do we stop being one together knowing that just our relationship as people is a reflection on the world that causes people to come to Jesus? So he he's done this new creation thing. And... And the way we're united, that, that means I can grab this hairy fella's hand here without anyone condemning me, and even though he's got American connections and, and I don't, that we can get along. We're not going to be raising our hands against each other unless he's barracking for my wife's football team. <coughs> the old people we used to be, the old person we put away, I say we put away. It was put away with Jesus when he died on that cross. When he rose from the dead, when he came out of that tomb in life, then we rose with him as new people. And, and I'm pretty good looking. You know why? Because according to what we read there, I actually reflect the image of God, my creator. And if you want to call him ugly, you take it up with him but you know that's, that's pretty good for us and we can love we can love because here there's no Gentile or Jew it's not about being circumcised or uncircumcised there's no barbarian there's no Scythian or Scythian there's no slave or free but Christ is all and is in all I'm just going to read the last two verses as a prayer. So if you just want to shut your eyes and just listen to this, there's an instruction that comes after that that teaching in that letter. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish or instruct correct one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.